Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, let's be real here. You know I'm excited about this week. It is the battle for the Land Grant Trophy. It is a beautiful piece of art. I think it should be in the Louvre. Anywhere that fine art is, it should be there. Um, it is all parts magical, um, equal parts incredible. But it's Penn State, Michigan State, for the most sought-after trophy in all of sports, the Land Grant Trophy. I'm about to stop you right there. Uh, you missed the word prestigious twice. It is the prestigious Land Grant Trophy. You and I could not make a trophy that looks better. Uh, there's not a single trophy in all of sports that looks better than the prestigious Land Grant Trophy. And, you know, it's Penn State season finale. It's senior day. It's going to be a big day. And hopefully, I don't see there being any challenges winning that game. No, and there shouldn't be. And James Franklin has harped on this all week and ever since, you know, the game last week where he wants seniors to be cheered. He's not talking about all of the seniors. Let's be real. He's talking about Sean Clifford, who entered the, st- the stadium and hears booze all of the time. Sean Clifford is one of the most polarizing players in Penn State history. He is polarizing in every way that you would imagine that he shouldn't be as a quarterback but every way that you should be as a quarter, every way that he should be as a quarterback, he's going to leave Penn state with Buku records and it, it's well-deserved. But what's crazy is he doesn't have much to go with it other than a couple of winning records in the cotton bowl de- victory, depending on what's going on or what happens the rest of the way this year. With that said, he is deserving of every cheer And at times, I can see that he's deserving of some of the booze. Now, it's a little different because he's a collegiate athlete. He's an amateur athlete. Should they get booed? I go back and forth on this all the time because I don't think it's fair because they have a job to do. And sometimes they don't do their jobs very well. Just like we all had bad days at the office or, you know, people make podcasts, do the intro and say the wrong thing like we do all the time that you guys don't really find out because, well, we're good at editing. So it, it's tough, and and it's and it's tough because he deserves all the cheers, and sometimes he deserves the jeers. But at the end of the day, he's put in six solid years for a Penn State program that I think that he is maybe not leaving it better than he found it, but he's not. It's not any worse, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and yeah, he, like you said, he should be celebrated. There's been a roller coaster of a ride. And even if you ride a terrible roller coaster at the end, and when it pulls back into the house, you're like, you know what? For all the bumps and bruises I got along the way, you know, maybe that one was a little bit extra rough, but I kind of had some fun. I think that's where we are with John Clifford. It's he set all the records, he's done this, he's done that, and he gets one more sh- one more show in Beaver Stadium. And I think for all of the ups and downs, Penn State fans need to at least appreciate what he's done. Right. And I and, and it's fair to appreciate it because he deserves that. Um, and I think that's the important thing, too, is like he's a good college quarterback. Has he been there a long time? Yes. Is that why he has a lot of those awards and recognitions and, and records? Yeah, I think so. Um, because if he's only there for three or four years or th- two or three years, I should say, as a starter, then it's a little different. 
but again, it's it's the end of a home career for Sean Clifford for a player that's really I don't want to say united a fan base, but divided it too. Um, because like like I said before, as polarizing as he is, you either love him, you hate him, or you hate to love him, or you love to hate him. And it's a really weird spot as the Penn State quarterback, right? He takes over. He took over after Trace McSorley, who was one of the, I think, the most, you know, tenacious quarterbacks in a long time for for the Nittany Lions because of the way that he played, the leadership qualities. And we, you know, following in those shoes is is by no means easy. Uh, and I think he, that he's handled that rather well. They went to the Cotton Bowl. They've had success. 2020 and 2021 were far from that. But I think a lot of that is dealing with extenuating circumstances. Um, you know, 2020 is is a, a year that the program's never going to have again. Um, in 2021, you know, there's a lot of mistakes made. And, and that's, you know, when you're the quarterback and you're the face of a program, it's very difficult you know, to maintain that level of success, that steady eddiness to to be there. But, you know, he's been consistent both in good and bad ways. And now here we are. He's playing for the most prestigious uh, trophy in college football. Indeed. So I think, yeah, don't boo the guy. That's that's my only hope is just don't boo the guy. There, there have been some boo-worthy plays, and I'm not going to say, you know, I've been always – very appreciative of his play, but I guess my one appeal to the fan base is don't boo him on Saturday at four o'clock. That's no. we can't have that. No, absolutely not. And he deserves better than that. And I'm excited to see what he's got up his sleeve. Um, you know, he's being honored on senior day as, as are all the other seniors. And there are some seniors that could come back and there are, you know, and that's kind of the, the beauty and the ugliness of, the extra year is who gets to come back, who doesn't want to come back, you know, what happens. And that'll be interesting to kind of, you know, look, look at moving forward. But for Sean Clifford, this is the last time he's going to step on that grass at Beaver stadium. I think, you know, he's been very reflective in his words, you know, as he met with the media this week and he'll be the same way on Saturday after the game. Uh, I'm excited to see what he's got uh, in one last final ride at Beaver stadium. Yeah, me too. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but it's not just Sean Clifford, right? It's there's a lot to, that's at stake in this game. You know, the 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 college football playoff rankings came out earlier this week, and Penn State is sitting at eleven again. And I'm not by any means trying to be a fanboy or whatever, but there is a hundred percent a lot of SEC bias when you look at the rankings week by week. Clemson is ten and one. Is Clemson the same Clemson? that they were years ago, maybe not. I don't think that they're on that that tier. Uh, you know, when Trevor Lawrence was there, that tier of eliteness, but they're 10-1. and one. Alabama has two losses. Oh, yeah, they're Ellis. They're, you know, they're SEC losses, which I think take, you know, they're weighted higher. It's like taking a quiz in, uh, in college, right? This quiz is weighted four times or 25% higher than – that quiz you took last week. And so you look at those rankings and let's be real. I, I don't think that Tennessee should be in the top 10 anymore. They got absolutely boat raced and not just boat raced by a top 10 team, top five teams, top three team. They got boat raced by an unranked South Carolina team 
and they gave up the most points that they have, have in almost a century. Like, and not only that, like the committee didn't even take into consideration that Hendon Hooker's out for the year, right? Yes. Like for some reason, the co- the AP poll, well, AP poll came out before it was really announced that he was out for the year, but it's just it, why do they not take that into consideration? And then, yeah, Alabama's two losses are to the two teams above them. Tennessee, LSU, those are teams both ranked, who were ranked higher than them. Penn State has two losses, two teams in the top five, or excuse me, both in the top four, who've been in the top four all year long, and Penn State didn't get moved up at all. Oregon even jumped them, and it's just like, yeah, Penn State doesn't have a ranked team on their schedule that they've beaten because they haven't played any. It's not their fault. They're at the victim of their schedule. Yeah, and outside of Northwestern, they've handled their business rather well, and that Northwestern game was filled with disaster um, as far as the weather and, and things of that nature. But let's be real. We need to take a quick break because we're starting to get heated. We're going to come back on the flip side of this break and talk a little bit more about these rankings and then really preview Michigan State and what's next to come on the Lashing Out podcast and the Sports Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Network. Kevin, we went into the break talking about the college football playoff ranking. First of all, the AP poll is kind of irrelevant now. The, co- the coaches poll is irrelevant now. It's all about ESPN's college football playoff poll. I say that because call- ESPN controls most, if not all, of the bowl games and bowl season. With that said, a lot of this is branding. Now, there are four teams that deserve to be at the top three or top four. I'm sorry, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, and TCU. It, it's all, it comes down to the game, the game, Ohio state, Michigan this weekend, that is going to dictate all of the bowl games, especially the new year six. Because now if you look at, if you look at the way the rankings are, and we're just going to look at it, you know, essentially through the top 12, because I think that's really what's relevant now. Although you've got a Notre Dame team that's lurking and Notre Dame has looked really good of late. So you got that game. If Michigan, if Michigan keeps it close, they're playing at Columbus. If Michigan keeps it close and it's a seven to 10 point game, why would they go anywhere other than to four, you know, or, or even stay at three, probably not stay at three, but they would go to four and Ohio state, I think would stay at two. Um, just because of, you know, you don't want them to play in the, in the semifinal by any means, because you got a 10, you got 11 and one Michigan team again, that lost to a team that's ranked higher than them. There are only two teams ranked higher than Michigan. Um, then you've got an undefeated TCU, which I think TCU should end the season undefeated. I, I don't believe that they'll lose, but then you've got a, a nine and two LSU team. Well, in my opinion, eleven and one is a little. And your only loss is to Ohio State. That's a little bit better than a nine and two LSU team, no matter who you lost to. Southern Cal can make it tough. I think that's a, a tough choice. Ten and one, um, but it's very possible that they lose to Notre Dame this weekend. So 
there's just so much that can happen. And then you've got nine and two Alabama and 10 and one Clemson and nine and two Oregon and 10 and then nine and two Tennessee and nine and two Penn state, you know, Penn state has that blowout to Michigan. Okay. Well, Michigan's ranked higher than they are. Tennessee has a blowout to an unranked at the time, six and four South Carolina football team. In my opinion, I think Penn state should be that 10 spot, but I don't make the pool, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. And just to take it, like we said the first second, just take into consideration their quarterback situation. Um, and then with LSU and Alabama both being ranked above Penn State and not in the Final Four, I think that pretty much rules out them going to the Orange Bowl because the top two ranked teams of those two are going to go to the Sugar Bowl where the, where mm-hmm. the SEC always goes. And the Cotton Bowl's first pick is the highest ranked remaining of the SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not going to jump Penn State, but I feel like LSU would have to get absolutely boat raced by Georgia, by Georgia SEC championship game. Like 25, 30 point boats boat race to drop from five to 10. And then Penn State moves up into the top into the top 10. Like that's the only way I can see it happening because Ellis, unless or if LSU wins the sec championship game, then they move into the four spot and, and whoever loses disaster. Yes. And whoever loses Ohio state, Michigan probably misses out because you're right. not going to keep George out for no a one no. loss to LSU in the championship game. No, you're not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, moving forward, I think Penn State right now, the best bet is to be in the Citrus Bowl um, because I think the Orange Bowl is going to be Clemson and Alabama and LSU will probably end up in the Sugar Bowl, uh, depending. It'll be LSU or Alabama playing Clemson or LSU or and whoever playing in the Sugar Bowl as well uh, against the Big 12 team. So probably, you know, somebody that's not necessarily TCU unless they don't make it you know, unless they don't make the playoff, which is, which is possible. Yeah. And with um, North Carolina's loss last week to Georgia tech. Yeah. Now it's looking like Florida state in the citrus bowl, not North Carolina. And I've not paid a lot of attention to Florida state this year. Admittedly, I was kind of looking forward to a potential UNC matchup, but yeah, we'll see how that one turns out. A lot to look forward to. But why don't we look forward to uh, what's actually going to happen for the, the team that we should be covering? Uh, Michigan State, not a stellar team overall. 103rd in total defense, 90th in total offense. Uh, last week against Indiana in the cold and in the elements, gave up 257 rush yards to the Hoosiers. Uh, that was 6.9 yards per rush, uh, sack adjusted. So. I'm looking for Katron Allen and Nick Singleton to have an absolute game. I don't, I would not surprise me if they have 130 yards each. Yeah. And I hope so. Like this is the perfect opportunity um, to get, to get those guys in, get them three quarters and get into bull prep. And that I think is the most important thing that Penn state is going to benefit from is that experience. And at the same time, 
everybody loves it, right? You can focus on recruiting. You can get some, pra- you get extra practices in with your freshmen. So it's just a great situation all around. But yeah, get Clifford in, get some action, get, um, you know, Drew Aller in, just get, just get guys reps, get guys reps heading into the off season, heading into the bowl season, I should say. And then, you know, stay healthy. I mean, obviously Parker Washington is out for the season now. That's, that's a tough blow, but I think if there's ever a year that they can afford that, which might not be the best term, it's this year. And I think they'll be, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. I don't think you could replace Parker Washington's production, but I think it could definitely be supplemented. I, I think that's the word I'm going with is supplement because I don't think you replace a guy like Parker Washington. He's quick, he's shifty and he just, he's just greedy. He's just a greedy wide receiver. He just catches everything and makes plays. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too. His injury isn't disclosed. It's not going to be unless he comes out and says it. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this impacts him moving forward because he's a guy that could go to the draft, and he's a guy that could be picked pretty early in the draft uh, after the season that he's had. So this could bode well for him to return to Penn State, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens as far as that goes. But we – Before we hit to the the third and final segment, I want to talk a little bit about contracts because these two contracts between um, Mel Tucker and James Franklin are both contracts that have had multiple layers of skepticism, multiple layers of just about everything. Kevin, who's got the biggest, who's got the best deal right now? Because it sure as hell is not Michigan State. Yeah, I, after, you know, the two seasons James Franklin had 2020, 2021, I'm sure we can go on and on about the 2020 season. That man was away from his family for six, eight months. He had to go to Florida or his family had to go to Florida because his daughter has an immune um, is immunocompromised. So I can't imagine living six, eight months away from my family while I'm doing my job. That was tough. That's whatever. 2021, you come off a bad recruiting trail from 2020 because the team looks like crap. I don't expect that to be a success. 2022 or 2021 offseason hires Manny Diaz. The, the recruiting class looks fantastic. We show up into 2022 season. That freshman class is as good as advertised. Manny Diaz is better than advertised. And you're starting to look at James Franklin like, all right, we had a little bump in the road, but heck yeah, we got this thing moving now. This train is t- going out of the station. Penn State's program really looks to be building. And it could be a bump. This very well could be a bump in the road for Mel Tucker. But uh, Michigan State's always been that kind of like teetering on the edge of, you know, they have that one season where they'll go 10 and one or nine and two. And then they've beaten Michigan, Penn State, or they've beaten Ohio State and Penn State. They've won two out of the three big, big three from the Big Ten East. And it was just good enough to get them in the championship game. And then the next year, they're six and six. Or excuse me, they're six and five. So, yeah, that Mel that Mel Tucker contract because they just signed him to that big contract for being an interim coach last year, right? Like, well, no, he was the head coach, but he was he got an extension because of the season that they had, and they had a great season last year. But he signed a ten year, ninety five million dollar contract. He and Neil Brown at West Virginia are the perfect examples of why you can't why it's not always wise to extend early in tenures because you just don't know if that is, if that level of play is sustainable in a Michigan state, especially because you're going up against Penn state, Ohio state, 
Michigan every year. And that's difficult. You know, Franklin has beat Michigan. He's beat Michigan State, except for last year. They should have beat them last year. But in Ohio State, he beat them once. We've gone over the record of Ohio State. They don't lose often, no matter who the team is. So that that that's what athletics, athletic directors and athletic departments have to kind of vet. Is this going to be worth it? Is this going to be the better return on investment? Now, what's gone on at Michigan State off the field or in tunnels isn't ideal by any means either. Everybody has a tunnel story at Michigan State or Michigan Stadium, but that's not good either. You want you don't want issues like that. And of course, in a rivalry game, emotions are going to happen. And when you're hand on hand in hand walking up the tunnel, yeah, things are going to happen. But this just goes to show you gotta. Sometimes it's not always a bad thing to wait. And typically, good things happen to those who wait. But speaking of good things to happen, you know, to those who wait, we're going to head to the head to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network after this quick break. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. We have just got extended to a long-term deal on this podcast, so you're stuck with us for God knows how long, and I think we're going to be making nine and a half cents, not nine and a half million per podcast. So, thank you. Kevin, let's get back to Michigan State. What's it going to be like at Beaver Stadium? Beaver Stadium, weather forecast, high of 46 on Saturday with a low of 41. So, temperature will be pretty constant. However, there is a 50% chance of rain during the day and an 80% chance of rain at night. This one could get sloppy. Winds 5 to 10 miles an hour. That shouldn't really be a factor, but uh, take that into consideration as you will. Penn State is currently favored 18.5 points with an over-under of 53.5 points. And that's subject to move because we're recording this on Tuesday night before the holiday. So we'll see how Vegas moves it as the week progresses. Well, I don't think it's going to be a repeat of Northwestern, but the weather is also, you know, it's going to be a factor. Now, last year, Penn State elected not to throw the ball on Michigan's terrible secondary, Michigan State's terrible secondary, and run the football without a running game. Not quite sure what they were thinking, but it ultimately backfired. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of things they dial up when such a prestigious um, prestigious trophy is on the line. Yeah, I have final score prediction of Penn State 42, Michigan State 10, and I believe there will be at least one defensive touchdown. I like 48-13. We've been pretty spot on recently. Yeah, I think, I think just honest assessments, man. Think with our brains. Um, Yeah, it's just a couple things. Peyton Thorne, he's their quarterback. He's thrown 10 interceptions this year. He's good for about one a game. Penn State secondary is probably one of the best ones that he's going to see all year. So that's what I'm thinking. A couple turnovers at least. And I think, you know, Barney Moore on senior day starts pinning him deep and Peyton Thorne has to start throwing because they're down. Could see another de- defensive touchdown following up last year. They've got the momentum now. Um, 
Typically, they've been a one-back backfield with Jalen Berger. Uh, Elijah Collins came on last week. They kind of had a two-headed monster back there. They both combined for about 40 carries, split pretty evenly last week. So Michigan State's run game is not anything. It showed promise last week, I can tell you that. Then again, Rutgers' run game showed promise coming into Penn State game. We saw how that works. So we'll see how that works. And then look out for Keon Coleman outside. He's Where's number zero? He is their go-to guy. He is Peyton Thorne's number one receiver. So see who draws that assignment up this week. Not that Franklin floats his cornerbacks because it's college, but just a couple guys to look out for. And their defense, like you said, their secondary is terrible. They have two interceptions all year. One of those was by a linebacker. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit a little sloppy, but if Penn, if Penn State needs to throw the ball, they should be able to with ease. Yeah, slinging around a little bit, get in, go into bolt season and finish up their recruitment cycle on a, on a high note. And I think that's the most important thing for Penn State to do. If they're capable of doing that, then this shouldn't be an issue for them. Now, you also can't let them hang around. Michigan State's a team that if you let them hang around, you're going to regret it. So come out, handle business, and take care of that business. And I think everything is going to be A-OK. Yeah, and uh, ball security could be an issue. Uh, they have forced, I believe, 10 – uh, no, they've forced 14 fumbles this year and recovered 10. So those those young backs who you know struggled in the Northwestern game to hold on to the ball, there was a fumble last week, great play. Not necessarily one I would teach kids if I was coaching them to make because it kind of speared them. Um, but Jacoby Winman has five and a half sacks and six forced fumbles for Michigan State, so – Mel Tucker's teaching them to go for the ball, so ball security could be an issue, or it's, it should be a point of emphasis, I should say. Right, so I think that's the other thing, too, is this, these guys have experience playing in crappy weather now, so that's a plus as well. So, you know, this Penn State has everything right where they want it. They control their own destiny if they keep winning. Now, the issue is everything above them is going to be pure, pure chaos. So it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. But for now, Penn State's got themselves into a bowl game. They've got one game left for an amazing trophy. Let's see what happens. Let's see. And if you're listening to this from Pennsylvania area, tickets are as low as $7 for this game. So if you've not been to Penn State game this year, here's your last chance. And it seems to be pretty low. And around the country, a lot of three, four, five dollar tickets available. Uh, at various games around the country. So weather's not going to be stellar in the East East coast, but if you're a college football fan, you haven't been to a game this year, go to one. Tickets are pretty cheap. Yeah. Tickets are cheap. We know at that point in time, you don't want to be around your family anymore. So <laughs> go, go ahead to a game uh, and enjoy it and tell us how you liked it. But Kevin, let's be real before we go. Let's talk about what we're thankful for this season. I'm thankful for the youthful, the youth experience. Um, Penn State's had a lot of ugly games, a lot of lopsided games, and the coaching staff has been very smart. Um, We're in the transfer portal era. What have you done for me now lately? If I don't play, I'm going era. And I think the coaching staff has done a very good job this year of getting those young guys in there getting them a lot of playing time, uh, 
I think it's benefited this team because, excuse me, those freshmen below, I want to say below because they're you know, the younger guys, they're not as experienced, but they're helping keep our experienced guys fresh. It's going to help them in the draft because, you know, they're as they as the older guys leave and go to the draft, they haven't had as many hits this year. But what they can show on film is their best 10 plays of the game. There's a lot of them. It's a lot more than 10 plays because they are fresher. So I think I'm very thankful for that. I think James Franklin and the rest of the coaching staff have really adapted well to the transfer portal because that was kind of an issue early. You know, a couple of big big time recruits have left because they didn't get playing time and, you know, maybe they didn't live up to the hype that they had, but I think I'm thankful for that. And then, you know, we launched this podcast mid season. I'm thankful for that too. I think it's been fun. Learned a lot. So yeah. Excellent. But yeah, I'm thankful for, you know, for this being, it was supposed to be a bridge year for Penn state being a successful year. Um, And it'll be interesting to see, you know, where this takes them in the off season and the bull season and, and everywhere, because this is the Penn state that, that should be happening every year under James Franklin. Now, can they take that next step to beat Ohio state? We're going to find out next year. And I think it'll be as good as, as a good a year as any, you know, for Drew Aller to go into Columbus and see what happens. And I'm also thankful for, you know, being on this podcast and, and for, for learning as we go and, and making changes and, and doing things that, you know, maybe are, aren't in our comfort zone. So take that for advice, get out of your comfort zone, enjoy life and, and always be thankful for everything that you've got right in front of you, because every, not, not everything is a guarantee anymore, except the sec bias in a college football play. No. And we are, we are really thankful to everybody listens to this. If you've come across the show, follow it, like it, rate it, review it, whatever. Find us on Twitter at lashing out pod uh, lash like the football lash building. Um, we'd be thankful for all the support that you guys are giving us and letting us be in your ears 30 minutes a week, twice That's a right. week. For Kevin quickly, this has been Jared Prugar on the lashing out podcast. We hope you had a, a joyful and fruitful Thanksgiving. We'll catch you again after the land grant trophy is presented. Cheers. Cheers.